Good morning. It is Friday, September the 8th, in the year of our Lord, 2023. I'm J.D. Walt, and this is your wake-up call. We are beginning this Friday as we began on Monday with our prayer of consecration. We just got to keep showing up before Jesus every single day. And you know, once this prayer kind of gets in your heart and in your mind and in your vision and in your body, it's something you wind to shuffle. I say it all the time. I'm always saying, saying this prayer throughout the day. Jesus, I belong to you. So wake up, sleeper. Rise from the dead and Christ will shine on you. Jesus, I belong to you. I lift up my heart to you. I set my mind on you. I fix my eyes on you. I offer my body to you as a living sacrifice. Jesus, we belong to you. And we're praying in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Today's entry is entitled, Seven Lessons from the First Prayer of the First Church. Our text is Acts chapter 4, verses 32 to 37. Hear now the word of the Lord. All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and God's grace was so powerfully at work in them that there were no needy persons among them. For from time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales, and put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone who had need. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, sold a field he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. The Word of the Lord. Now consider this. So our text has taken an interesting turn today. I want us to notice how the prayer we witnessed in yesterday's text begins almost immediately to be answered by God. This answer will persist through chapter 5 and beyond. Before we leave it behind, I want us to learn from the way these early Christians prayed. In some ways, we witnessed the first prayer of the first church in Acts chapter 4. I will rehearse the content of their prayer along with my proposed seven lessons below. First, they name and declare the identity of the one to whom they are praying. Always begin 
by naming God. God ever listens for his name. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord. Second, after the naming of God, they remember and recite the mighty works of God, here beginning with creation. It is how our creeds begin. It is how the Bible begins. Might it be how our prayers ought to begin? They said, You made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. Third, they delve deeper into the scriptures, remembering the text's source and substance, who is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, who breathes life into our mortal bodies, who birthed the church, is the same Holy Spirit who inspired the scriptures. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Fourth, notice the significance of stating in prayer the unstated assumptions of the church. It is a short step from here to quoting the scriptures themselves. This time from Psalm 2. Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Fifth, are you seeing it? They are praying the story. And as they do so, they are more deeply aligning themselves inside of it. This psalm of David while ancient memory for them is as fresh as today's bread. Watch now how it leads them to recent memory. The Holy Spirit is literally fusing the horizons of Scripture from creation to the King David and Psalms and now to Jesus and the cross. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. As they pray the massive story of God, the Holy Spirit fires their imagination to know how to pray into the way ahead. Notice only now, 108 words into the 145-word prayer, we are getting to the part we would consider the prayer. It's only 37 words. The prayer, now baptized by the story, is birthed by the Holy Spirit. Verse 29, Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Sixth, this is what Holy Spirit warfare actually looks like. The mode is prayer. The medium is scripture. 
notably the story of Scripture. Notice its character is not defensive, but decisively offensive. There is no praying against the Pharisees and the Sadducees, or even the devil for that matter. And the context of the prayer is God himself. Enable your servants to speak your word. Stretch out your hand through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. It is as though God himself rose up as a mighty fortress in and through their praying. Seventh and finally, behold what happens. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. We will meet up with Barnabas and company on Monday. The prayer of transformation. Lord Jesus, I am your witness. I receive your righteousness and release my sinfulness. I receive your wholeness and release my brokenness. I receive your fullness and release my emptiness. I receive your peace and release my anxiety. I receive your joy and release my despair. I receive your healing and release my sickness. I receive your love and release my selfishness. Come, Holy Spirit, transform my heart, mind, soul, and strength so that my consecration becomes your demonstration, that our lives become your sanctuary. For the glory of God our Father, amen. And the question What contrast can you draw between the way we pray today, both personally and corporately, with how they prayed in these early days of the church? What amendments to our way of praying might you propose? Maybe you might journal that out in your journal today. Two columns. In our hymn today, speaking of God as a fortress in prayer. Let's sing one of the great prayers of the church for centuries now in the great hymn, A Mighty Fortress is Our God. It's hymn number 35 in our seedbed hymnal, our great Redeemer's praise. A Mighty Fortress is Our God, hymn number 35. We're going to sing all four verses like we mean them. A mighty fortress is our God, a bulwark never failing. 
Our helper, he amid the flood of mortal ills prevailing. For still our ancient foe doth seek to work us woe. His craft and power are great, and armed with cruel hate. On earth is not his equal. Did we in our own strength confide, our striving would be losing. Were not the right man on our side, the man of God's own choosing. Dost ask who that may be? Christ Jesus, it is he. Lord Sabbath, his name, from age to age the same. And he must win the battle. And though this world with devils filled should threaten to undo us, We will not fear, for God hath willed his truth to triumph through us. The prince of darkness grim, we tremble not for him. His rage we can endure, for lo, his doom is sure. One little word shall fail him. That word above all earthly powers, no thanks to them abideth. The Spirit and the gifts are ours through him who with us sideth. Let goods and kindred go, this mortal life also. The body they may kill, God's truth abideth still. His kingdom is forever. Wow. I felt like I was going Johnny Cash low there on those low notes. That is a hymn that actually does what it says. As you sing it, you sense the fortress of God rising up around you. And really, that's kind of what I think I'm trying to say about this way the church is praying. Just pulling up the the vision of the story of God from creation to new creation, getting on the inside of it. That's kind of what stained glass is in the church, isn't it? You're you're looking at these windows and you're seeing the images of the story as Scripture unfolds it, one episode to the next, and, and then you realize you're not looking at the window, at the story, you're seeing through it to the outside world. 
And in fact, the light that's coming through the outside world, through the windows, is illuminating the, the inside of the church. It's, it's a remarkable concept there, praying the story. We could stand to grow in that, couldn't we? So much that we just kind of assume, and, and what that means, it means that you're stating the unstated assumptions in your prayers, and there's something about the way that catalyzes holy imagination, kingdom imagination. It, it takes you to new places that you'll, be, you'll go in your asking and in your boldness, and, and it's interesting how that's where the Spirit begins to shake the building. And it just takes you to new places. Well, um, pray for me. This Sunday, I'm going to be preaching here again at Gillette Methodist Church. And this is where I'm going to be going, I think. I think we're going to be talking about the prayer of the church as it launched. And how might we take the baton from them? We, uh, we stand on their shoulders, but. I think a lot of times we've climbed down and we're standing on some other shoulders somewhere. We we got to get back to the roots here. So I'll be counting on your prayers. We we really had a, an amazing meeting in Wilmore last week. We we went up and met with the kind of what we call the core outpouring team, the outpouring core team, the men and women who were just kind of I don't know, holding the space. We weren't really doing anything. We weren't leading any kind of, <laughs> You don't lead that kind of a thing. You don't lead an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. You you just kind of get in the boat and get on your knees and, and try to stay in the current. We had a lot of, of time remembering and, and looking ahead and imagining and seeing what God is doing and how might we continue to respond. Be, be watching for that unfolding in the way ahead. It's a good place to close it this morning. It's been a good week together in Acts chapter 4. You know, we've got about, I don't know, 150 churches who are praying and preaching and journeying right along with us in Acts. We meet every Tuesday with the preachers and work on sermons. And Let's pray for all of these preachers this week as we're getting into the groove of this. Let's hit the fields for now, though. It's Friday. People are going to be in a good mood. They're going to be receptive. Be ready to sow for a great awakening. I'll see you out there on the field. For The Awakening, I'm J.D. Walt. We hope that today's entry challenged and encouraged you. And thanks for listening to The Wake Up Call, powered by Seedbed. Be sure to share this with a friend. Leave us a rating and subscribe wherever you prefer to listen to podcasts. Find out more and join the movement by visiting our website at seedbed.com slash wakeupcall. 